Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, November the 24th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Wednesdays, we like to take a look at what may appear to be a difficult Bible passage. And that was something that was read not recently from the Holy Gospel of Mark. Jesus is talking about the last day, and that is really a theme that we have not only in the last Sunday of the church year, but it also continues in Advent. Advent is a time when we wonder, when is the last day coming? In Mark 13, verse 32, Jesus says, Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, that could be a problem for some people because we teach that the Son, referring to Jesus, is God. And God, therefore, is omniscient. So, how can he say he doesn't know? that day or that hour when the judgment day will occur. Well, we remember Jesus is in his state of humiliation. That word doesn't mean embarrassment, although some people get humiliated because they are embarrassed, but it means to be humble. He humbled himself. And as Mark Smith yesterday said, there's no doubt he did not make use of his divine prerogatives of being omniscient was one of them, all-knowing. Because as a human being, he did not make use of that. He did not make use of the fact that as God, he could not suffer. As God, he could not die. And yet, as a human being, he was enabled to do that for your sakes. He died so that you will never really die as you believe in him as your savior. So he's talking about nobody knows when that day is coming. Uh, going on with verse 33, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Now, Part of the teaching of Jesus, he always likes to do comparisons. We call them like parables. And here's the one he uses. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. What is Jesus talking about? I just finished another adult instruction class at one of the four congregations that I'm helping out with. And we had the confirmation last Sunday. And 
in front of the congregation, I asked the confirmand, did I tell you that once you become a Lutheran, once you get confirmed, you can never go to bed again and go to sleep? Because Jesus says, stay awake. And she said, no, you never told me that. But then what does Jesus mean by stay awake? If there's anything you learn by going to church on a regular basis is that words in the Bible can have more than one meaning. Like law and gospel. Let's take the word law. It can refer to the Ten Commandments. It can refer to the books of Moses. It can refer to ceremonial laws. It can refer to civic laws. We are not bound to the Old Testament books, the ceremonial or the civic laws. We're still bound to the moral laws. So there are words that have different meanings, and that's similar to stay awake. For example, on our trip to these congregations, we're on Highway 67, and I pass this sign while I'm taking a drink of water or maybe a soda that we have, and it says, please do not drink while you are driving. Well, does that mean that you can't drink water? That you can't drink a soda? What are they talking about? The word drink in that context means to take something that is a liquor, a wine, something that could make you drunk. And you are not to drink while you are driving. Well, does that mean that, okay, you can stop at a rest area, then you can take a drink, you're not driving then, and then keep on going? No, it doesn't mean that either. Everyone understands not to drink while driving means not to become inebriated with any kind of liquor. And, and therefore, we can drink water or a soda or something like that. So there the word drink has more than one meaning depending on the context in which you are talking. Similarly, with the word awake. Now, one of the words that is also got similar meanings or different meanings is the word asleep. One can say that a person is asleep when they go to bed at night. They're no longer awake. But remember what's on a number of tombstones. A person dies, gets buried, and you'll see on the tombstone, asleep in Jesus. That doesn't mean that they're just resting comfortably soon to wake up. It means what Jesus means by these people are only asleep. Lazarus was not dead. He was asleep, Jesus says. But he also was dead. So the word asleep 
means in the context of the Bible, looking at scripture, interpret scripture, that yes, the person from a human point of view is dead because his body is in the grave, but he's not dead really. Jesus says to Martha when he comes to raise Lazarus that believe in me and you will never die. And that's absolutely true because at the very moment of your death here on earth, your spirit is with Jesus in heaven as you are a believer. So there is no death for the believer. Now your spirit is there awaiting the time when your body will be restored. So there's another example of the word sleep having different meanings. And how do you figure out what the meaning is? You allow scripture to interpret scripture. Jesus goes to heal a little girl, raise her from the dead. He says, well, she's only sleeping. And people laugh at him, but not for long because he goes into the house and he raises her from the dead. And people are astonished. Yes, that's part of the miracle why Jesus is God. He is enabled to raise people from the dead. And he does that more than once, including himself. Yes, if you were to ask which person of the Trinity, which one is responsible for raising Jesus from the dead, the answer primarily is Jesus himself. He says, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to raise it up. The angel did not remove the rock in front of the door as the door of the tomb so that Jesus could get out. No, he was already gone when that rock was removed. Remember the women were saying, boy, that's a heavy rock. Who's going to remove it? Why would they want it removed? Because they were not coming to the grave three days later to see a risen Christ as he said he would rise three days later. They didn't believe that. They came to anoint a dead man. And of course, the first woman to find out about it, she went and told the disciples and they did not believe her. Well, let's get back to the point. What does Jesus mean when I say to all, stay awake? I hear this from pastors every now and then, mainly more so for Lent, but also for Advent. How do you prepare yourself in order to be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ on the day of judgment? He says, you know, this is back to Mark 13, uh, verse 28. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that 
he is near at the very gates. Well, what things are taking place? He talks about that in verse 24 and following. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. So Jesus even says later on, so also when you see these things, know that he is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is extremely interesting to realize that for the gospel of Mark, faith in Jesus means believing his promises that he gives to us. So, why is he giving us these signs? Like the sun will be darkened and other things in the universe will take place. They're already taking place when Jesus is living here on earth. The sun darkened. Who can forget the crucifixion where the sun darkened the area for three hours? That's why we have a tre or service, a three-hour service on Good Friday, often between noon and three, to remind us of the sun being darkened, and also gives us an opportunity in 25-minute segments to speak about each of the words that Jesus said from the cross. There are seven of them, and I participated in those services where you read the word from the cross, you do a little sermonette on it, you sing a hymn, you say a prayer, and then another pastor comes for the next 25 minutes with the new word. Now, Jesus gives these signs, but a lot of people don't understand that he does not give the signs so that we can figure out when the end time is coming. You'll recall that just recently we had a study on people who thought the end of the world was coming. That was with Wes Reimnitz. There were over a dozen pages, and on each pages, 10 instances of individuals or groups, denominations, that said the end of the world is going to come on a specific date. And it never did, did it? So why are the signs given if we can't figure out when the end of the world is coming? The signs are given so that when we see them, when we experience them, we are to remember that the Lord could come at any moment. But we still haven't answered the question, what does it mean to stay awake? Well, 
Scripture interprets Scripture. That's why you can't say, well, that means you can never go to sleep. Because if you go to sleep when Jesus comes, then you will not be saved. No. There's a temporal understanding of being awake. And that means you're not going to bed and going to sleep. And there's a spiritual understanding of being awake. And that spiritual understanding is found in the scripture. The verse I like is Jude. It begins with verse 20 through 25. It says, But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, why are we waiting for his mercy? Well, God is merciful and gracious in a way that no other God of any other religion outside of Christianity is merciful and gracious. Being merciful means that he will not give you what you deserve. So on the day of judgment, when he comes, you still are a sinner. But he has been gracious to you in that he also has forgiven your sins. To be gracious means that you receive something you do not deserve. There are many gracious acts that are done for you as you grew up in your family. You received meals. I, I never remember one time where after we had breakfast, lunch, or dinner that I got a bill from my mother as to how much I owed her for being fed. No, it was free. It was by grace. I didn't deserve to get free things, but I got clothes, I got a bed, I got a bicycle, I got transportation to school, and the list goes on and on how gracious parents can be towards their children, even when they are disobedient. So this is what being awake signifies that you look to your faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. And how do you do that? Well, the Bible says we love because he first loved us. The more that you attend worship, the more you attend Bible classes, the more you attend reading the Bible at home, guess what? The more you begin to understand how God thinks, what his promises are. For example, when we go to a hospital, we don't tell the people in the hospital mainly, oh, you'll never guess what I did today. I went to Target and I bought this food. It was on sale. And I give them an account of what I did during the day. No, in the hospital, 
You may talk about such things, but the main purpose is to give an account of what Jesus has done for the patient in the bed. And that is by talking about his sufferings, the cross, his resurrection, his ascension. Right now, Jesus is everywhere. He has restored his divine attributes. So he now, as a human being, knows all things, is present everywhere, and and is almighty. What's the evidence of that? The Lord's Supper. On a Sunday, millions of people are receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ in their churches under the bread and the wine. So that's a great example how Jesus is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Well, we're still wondering, how do we stay awake? It's Jude verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. That's talking about judgment day. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Did you hear that verse 24 of Jude? Jesus is the one who is able to keep you from stumbling. He's the one who will present you blameless on the day of judgment, and you will have great joy. So what are you to do to stay awake? Well, there is no command you can follow to stay awake. You simply trust the word of God. In your baptism, what God has promised you is that through him, you will always be awake, even when you're sleeping, because he can recognize the faith that you have been given by the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus who often keeps us from stumbling. But the most important thing is he presents us blameless at the day of judgment. Jesus is the one who keeps us awake. There's no thing that you need to follow to stay awake. One just needs to be a member of the church. And the church is not present where there are Christians. Because we like, at one time, can't do it too much anymore, going to a Chinese buffet place. And when you get in there, well, there's 200 people. Some of them are Christians, some of them aren't. That's not the church eating a buffet at a Chinese place. What is the church? The church exists where word and sacrament are busy. That includes 
a worship service, a Bible study, and even when you're at home, reading the Bible or praying. Somebody told me once that prayer is not a means of grace. Now, I understand that baptism and the Lord's Supper, yes, these are means of grace, but so is a prayer. How? When we pray at a hospital, what are we praying? We're praying the promises of God to help strengthen, encourage, and comfort the individual lying in the hospital bed. That is a means of grace. Because when you pray to the Holy Spirit, you are saying words that the Holy Spirit has taught you and his promises are sure. So, stay awake. God gives that command. You can't follow it perfectly. So he keeps you awake by giving you that faith, preparing you to be blameless on the day of judgment. Now, next time we have Law and Gospel, because of the Thanksgiving holiday, will be on Monday when we take a look at a set of verses for the second Sunday in Advent from a Law and Gospel point of view. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Have a happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.